a real pri- it's a genuine privilege to be with you guys. I mean, I could have carried on praising and worshiping the whole evening, and you know, it, it, that would have um, that would have been a joy. I mean, just you can you know when you you can just feel the um, spiritual hunger and also the spiritual depth in the room. There are some deep, deep wells in this room, and uh, when you gather to worship with people that have been following the Lord passionately for decades, the, the thing is just wow. I mean, we our church in in London is uh, very, very young in terms of not we've been going twelve years, which makes us quite young, but in terms of like the demographic, you know. Um, so for the first, I don't know, eight years, I don't know if there was anyone over forty. Anyone over 40 would walk in and go, oh no, we thought it was a church, but it's actually a youth group. So, <laughs> so maybe this isn't for us. And you, you, what happens is you just perpetuate what you are, right? Other young people come and go, this is the place for me. So we're praying, praying like mad. And in God's kindness over the last few years, we've, 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 we've all got a little bit older ourselves. That became our strategy in the end. We've got a 30-year 30 30 plan is to get old. and um, uh, But also God has brought some really, really great people in, the spiritual giants, and um, it's been an amazing blessing. So, so just thanks for having me, thanks for your warm welcome, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, well, we're going we'll, to start, I'm not quite sure where we'll end up, but we're going to start in the book of Hebrews, um, and we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll be very open to the Holy Spirit's leading on every front, and um, see where he wants us to finish up. How long have I got? You said you said two hours, Chris. Is that still that's still the case? <laughs> Is that a Tuesday next week? Okay, brilliant. Um, so if you've got a Bible with you, which I'm sure most of you have got a Bible with you uh, of some description, whether on on a screen or paper, um, we're going to start at Hebrews chapter twelve. I'll give you a little bit of context. Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. Some of you will be very familiar with it. Others of you that maybe haven't been in the faith for that long, maybe not. So Hebrews 11 is a really good chapter to read. It's basically a list of, um, of heroes, of Bible heroes who, 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 who believed God, who trusted in God. And what's encouraging about it as you go through the list, if you then flick back and read their story, you realise, oh, actually... Maybe I can be a hero of faith, you know, because they're very normal. They're not perfect. Um, they make big mistakes. Um, some of them don't actually do much. Just, well, it's not like they do loads. They don't accomplish loads, but what they do, they do in faith. Um, some of them live the kind of lives we would describe as victorious. Others of them, you know, it actually their calling in terms of faith is to, is to suffer. And, and not, not do things that, that look amazing. So there's a real variety. So as you read it, you go, okay, right. It really fills out your picture of faith. And then, that, and so that's what chapter 11 is about. And then we get to chapter 12. And we'll, we'll start with these first two verses. The writer says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words. We love your word. We're so grateful that you've given us your word. Thank you that you are unchanging and your word is unchanging and everything else will one day that we know currently will come to an end but your word will endure forever. And Lord, we just thank you for these words that bring life. We pray that tonight, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that these words would go to work in us freshly and would produce magnificent fruit, we pray. We pray, Lord, that where people's minds have been uh, filled with thoughts that haven't come from you, we pray that the truth of your word today would head them off at the pass, stop them, and that we pray that the truth would set us free. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So therefore, whenever you've got a therefore in the Bible, you have to say, what's the therefore, therefore? You know that? Yeah, you know, you're familiar with that little thing? What's the therefore, therefore? So why is there a therefore there? So the writer, he's, he's, he's gone through this big list of, of heroes, and now there's therefore. So in light of all of these heroes, so it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, it's a funny phrase. What does it mean? Well, it can mean one of two things. I'll tell you what both options and then which one's more likely, what the, what the clever people say. So, um, the first option is that the idea is you've got all these heroes in chapter 11, Gideon and Abraham and Sarah and Hannah and Barak and all these, and, and, and they're looking at us and they're cheering us on, right? They're going, well, hey, go on, you guys can do it. That's the first option, but it probably doesn't mean that. The second option, which it probably does mean, is this. Imagine that you're a really good footballer and you get to play. I'm, I'm too scared to say which ground is I'm going to get. I'm going to choose the wrong one which, wherever I go. Wembley, a safe, all right? So you get to, you get to play at Wembley and, 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 and you get your kit on and you're all ready to go. And then you come out of the changing room and then in the tunnel between the changing room and the pitch, lined up on each side of the wall, are pictures of, of the most magnificent football heroes of the last hundred years. And, and as you go through that tunnel, you see that one and you remember. You remember what they did and their incredible skill. That one and their perseverance and tenacity. That one and, you know, their speed. And, and as you're walking through that tunnel, you're going, yeah, and you're getting inspired by it. That's probably the idea. That's probably what he's saying there. That he's, he's just painted the picture of all these different faith heroes and now he's saying, you're, you're, you're in the Hall of Fame. You're surrounded by these very normal people but who got empowered to live extraordinary lives and, and that's who we are surrounded by. Okay? So therefore, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us also, here's the phrase, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The Bible's very honest. <laughs> I've, often, I've often found that when I'm in a room and I look around at people and I think, wow, these guys have got it together. They're so spiritual and godly and scouts, you know, and just amazing, you know. And you think, what have I got, what have I got to say to them? Well, nothing. But this book does. And if we just let it loose, God does all kinds of things. Because God understands you, and he understands me, he understands us, through and through. And so what we've got to do is just let the word of God loose. And so the first thing is, is, is this, is in terms of passion for God, and we're going we're gonna to get to the core of it, 
as we move on, but we're going to just start here. Lay aside every weight. What holds you back? Now we're not onto sin yet. We're going to get onto sin in a minute. Okay? This isn't sin. This is weight. He says the weight and sin. So different things. There are things that can just weigh us down. They're not sin. But they can just slow you down. They can, you think, I'm not running like I, like I used to run. It, it can be the worries of this life. Just the things of life. Just growing and building up and building up. And you think, I'm not, I'm not running in the same way. You ever, any of you ever done any sort of physical training or something in the gym and you're doing something, either you're on a treadmill or you're on a punch bag or whatever. And then, and then, and then you start worrying about something. And before you know it, I'm not punching in the same way. Oh, and then, and then you just stood there like that. And then what happened? And it's what it was that, that thing, there's weights. There's weights. They may not be wrong things, it may be just that you're really concerned for a loved one. It's not sin. <laughs> it's natural. But it can become a weight. It can cause you to slow down. There can be all kinds of things that just weigh on us. And Jesus said, don't let your heart be weighed down by the worries of this life. And there's something whereby if we're going to really run with the Lord and stay bright spiritually on, for the long haul, there's something whereby we need to be able to travel light. Where we, where we say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to allow that to fill the horizon. Because sometimes we can go, well, it's not sin, so it's okay. But we have to ask ourselves more penetrating questions than that. Before you ever say, well, it's not sin, so it's okay, you're not going to get to the depth where you need to get. What you have to say is this, is it helping? <laughs> you have to be able to ask penetrating questions where you're, you know when you're really honest with yourself and really honest with God? Because sometimes the things that can weigh you down are embarrassing. The things you think, I wouldn't want to admit that to anyone. Mm-hmm. But that's that can be a real problem for me. That can really bother me. And, and the Lord is so merciful, we know, because he understands. But he's saying, listen, lay aside the weights. Lay them aside. And that doesn't mean that you become irresponsible when you don't care about the things you should care about, but it's how much room do you let it have in your heart? How, 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 how much of your imagination will it take up? How, what sort of space does it have? Does it, is it allowed to fill the horizon? Is it allowed to begin to squeeze out God? You know, there's little, funny little phrases aren't there, like, you know, why pray when you can worry? You know, it's kind of, <laughs> that one always makes me laugh, because you can be like that. You can just get into, or, you know, the thing where you spend so much time, instead of telling the mountains about God, you're just telling God about the mountains. You know what I mean? You're just, you're praying, but it's not really, you know, when it, it started as a prayer, it became something else. And if you know what I'm talking about, it started as a really good prayer. It's like, Lord, I'm really worried about this, because this thing, you know, it's really getting on top of me. And you know what, Lord... You know, I'm just really sad about it right now. In fact, it's kind of ruining my life, Lord. And you've got yourself into a pickle. You've got yourself into spiritual syrup. And you're kind of treacle and you're kind of, you know, you're walking through like that. Then what happened there? What happened there was that my heart got weighed down. Just got weighed. Listen, there's always going to be things that can weigh your heart down. In this age, in this life. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, if we just sort this, then I'll focus on God. It's such a trap. It's such a deception. I've basically come to the conclusion where I've realised, ah, things are never sorted. (laughs) Right, now I can get on and follow the Lord peacefully. And now for me it was 
so part of my, what I do is part of, I, I, I help to lead a church and we had this, you know, we had a conundrum, you know, and um, we basically could see huge immense gaps in the church and we was trying to figure it out and we were getting nowhere. In fact, we was making it worse. Um, such brilliant leaders we are. And um, and I was having my, I know when I'm troubled by something because it's, I wake up at 3 a.m. I have my 3 a.m. moments where you go, bing, <laughs> and you wake up when you're already halfway through the worry. I started it when I was asleep, you know, and I was going I wake up in the middle of it and carry on. And it, it was happening a bit regular. And I was getting weighed down. I was getting weighed down. But the Lord's work. It's not a sin, is it? The Lord's work. I was getting weighed down. And I, and, I, and I felt God really helped me. I felt God say, you know what? You're basically in this headspace where you're thinking, if we could just sort that and sort that, then we're good to go. And the Lord very kindly kind of just helped me realize that it's actually not the case. Because there's always new stuff coming out, especially when you work with people. More people, more fun. More people, more problems. Okay? As that goes. So, there's always more stuff coming out. And, and God brought me to a place where I said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to enjoy the journey. I've got no ideas about this conundrum. Can't fix it. Beyond our current skill, gift level. We haven't got a clue. So we said, we just gave and said, let's, you know, let's enjoy the Lord. <laughs> Just keep looking up to him because it's not like we've been irresponsible. We tried our best and, you know, we wasn't making any ground. And you know what? Enjoying the journey. That's, there's, there's a beauty in that. There's a grace in that because there's always loose ends in life. And so the writer here is so in such wisdom when he just says, listen, if it's weighing you down, guess what? Lay it aside. So there's something that we do where we say, I'm not having that anymore. This a godly spiritual decision, if you like, where we say, I'm not going to allow that in my heart anymore. I'm laying it to one side. Okay? So that's the first thing we do. And then the second thing here is, and the sin, which this, which clings so closely. We need to be honest about sin, folks. The Bible says, if anyone says he has no sin, join to Christians, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, if anyone says they have no sin, they're a liar. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? And uh, and the truth is not in them. We all have sin, and that's different from living a life of deliberate sin, sinning. But we have, we carry indwelling sin. We carry it in us, and we will do to the day of glory. And we have to just say, okay, well, this is this is reality. There are longings and desires that I have in me that I'm frankly ashamed of. I've got to face up to it, otherwise I'm not going to deal with it. I can pretend I haven't. They're not there. Or I can say, actually, no, it clings really closely. It clings close. It's, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot sometimes to, to get me to feel pretty vulnerable in terms of sin. Sorry, folks. 27 years in. Not older than 27. As a Christian. As a Christian. 27 years in. And, you know, that's, there's a, there's, there's a, there's the reality of living with indwelling sin, living with the flesh, the writer understands this, because the Holy Spirit understands this. It's reality. So we've got, we've got, so the other, listen, we're surrounded by these wonderful witnesses, like us, flawed, but they trusted God, lay aside the, every weight and lay aside the sin. If you're not, if you're not free to talk about temptation with brothers and sisters that you love and trust, you're going to struggle to lay it aside. Because it, it can grow in your head when you don't talk these things. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other and be healed. And so this laying aside of, of these things, it, some of you might be thinking, oh, 
hanging out on a midweek night and this guy's doing a 101 session. We thought we was going to be like, this, you know, this is huge, this stuff. This is, and after being a Christian a little while now and going to numbers of church meetings and conferences, I basically realised that it's not really about learning new stuff. It's about learning the same stuff more deeply. It's not really about new information. Every now and then someone will pull something out and you go, wow, I didn't see that before. But generally, it's the same stuff, the gospel, getting right into us, deeper and deeper and deeper, bringing more and more transformation. And this stuff is hugely important. You want to run? You want to run with all your might? You want to travel light? You want to enjoy the journey? There's some things here to lay aside. And so... And then this is, let us run with endurance. That word there means bearing under. So as a Christian, you're called to run fast and hard, but the whole time you're bearing under some stuff. There's, there's weights. There, there is, there is stuff that's, you know, you've got, you have to kind of bear under. There's pressure. Maybe it's a good word for it. There's pressures of life, isn't there? There is the reality of temptation. There's disappointment. There's things you thought. That prayer had been answered and then, oh, hold on a minute, there's that, this is... So when we run with endurance, basically we say, well, we recognise there's pressure, it's not always easy, but there's grace to run. You say, well, okay, how is there grace to, to run? We've been very practical so far. When we lay aside weights, we look to lay aside sin, here's the key though. Look into Jesus. If you read the book of Hebrews, it talks about the milk and the meat. You're familiar with this. Spiritual milk, spiritual meat. It's a really interesting thing. What he does is, he says in chapter 6, he says, look guys, we're, we're going we're gonna to try and move on from the milk now and get get onto the meat. And you say, okay, well, what's been the milk? And you look at the milk and you think, okay, it's been Jesus. All right, wow, what's the meat? Okay, we're going to get onto the meat now. And the whole of the rest of the book is about, guess what? Jesus. Okay? So, so Jesus is the milk and Jesus is the meat. Um, there's, there's just, you know, I guess how we might want to describe it, you can unpack the glories of Jesus. I guess the milk, you just need to know Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus loves you, Jesus wants to save you. And then you get into the meat, Jesus, the great high priest according to the order of Melchizedek and all of this. still Jesus, folks. It's always Jesus. You never move beyond Jesus. The gospel, when the Bible says the gospel is the power of God for salvation, it doesn't just mean for initial salvation. It means for our initial salvation when we come to know the Lord, our, our being saved in an ongoing way, and our final salvation is the gospel. The gospel is the power for all of those things. You never move on from the gospel. You never develop above the gospel. It's always Jesus. It's always the message of Jesus Christ. It's always the presence of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit that will make the difference. And so he says, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the founder and perfecter of faith. He started it, he'll finish it. He started this work of faith in you, he will bring it to completion. He's utterly faithful. Look to him. Now, I've been struck lately, I've been thinking, church Church is great. I love the church of Jesus Christ. It's the body of Christ. Jesus loves the church so much that when Paul was persecuting the church, he said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, you know, Jesus and the church, you know, wow. And yet sometimes the church cannot quite live up to Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? We can get caught up with programs and projects and they're not wrong. Sometimes they're really helpful. But the glory of the church is a people filled with the presence of Jesus. 
That's the glory of the church. It's, it's the dwelling place of God. It's these living stones that are built together, who, who each themselves are actually temples of the Holy Spirit. And as they are built together, this glorious dwelling place of God himself is established. That is God's plan for the world. God's plan for the world is spirit-filled people. God's plan for the world was a spirit-filled man, his son, Jesus Christ. And now Jesus Christ has commissioned us, the church, to be God's plan, the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, you're the light of the world. He fills us with his spirit, and we go out full of him, full of his living presence. That is what makes a difference. You know, people... People can smell lovelessness a mile off. People can smell it a mile off when we're really just going through the motions. But when we're allowing ourselves to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit and for his presence to flow out, people people go, hold on a minute. What have you got? And then we say, Jesus. Jesus. You know, Jesus changes lives. You know, that's what's going on. And so I want to help us to keep lifting our heads to him. Keep lifting our eyes to him. He's he's the model. He's the one. We'll never get tired of Jesus. You'll get tired of projects and programs. You'll get worn out with this and worn out with that. you never get tired of Jesus. He's always enough for our soul. He's always thrilling. You know, one of the things I, sometimes as a, as a leader, as a public speaker, especially things like New Day, sometimes you think, oh no, like, you know, sometimes the way the young people speak, you think, oh no, you, oh no, Don, you think I'm something special. What are we going to do about this? Because as a, as a leader and a speaker, you know you're not. And you know the reality, the closer you get to me, the less impressive I am. Do you know what I mean? Same with all of us, isn't it? The closer you get, the more you go. You see it in the eyebrows. Oh. <laughs> the sadness. The disappointment. The revelations. Like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, opposite with Jesus. It's the opposite with Jesus. The closer you get to him, the more you go. Wow, I didn't realise, I kind of realised, but I didn't realise. And your heart gets filled with this enormous love for him, and you just want to know him. This is what we were singing earlier, these are, the, these are the kind of songs I love to sing, because I think this is what it's all about. It's all about him, and, um, and what comes out of that. And so, and so the writer says, listen, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and we're going to, we're going to just kind of, I'm going to get to my concluding element in a sec. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now we see it at the right hand of God. So he went through all the horrors that we know about, but he was motivated by a joy. He wasn't just gritting his teeth. There's, there's only so far you can get gritting your teeth. You can get some way doing it, but it comes to a point where you go, I'm out of, I'm out of juice now, you know. You know, I looked pretty good for a while, but I have nothing left, you know. Jesus doesn't give us a model of gritting our teeth. He gives us a model of, there's a joy, there's something ahead. That you go, oh, that's glorious enough. I can go, I can go for that. Well, what was his joy? Well, I think it was probably multi-layered, his joy. But I think part of it was most definitely us. I think part of it was a bride. A, a bride that would love him, truly, truly love him. Not just, you know, I mean, the, the pain that God had in the Old Testament when his people, you know, they just constantly committed spiritual adultery. I think there was something in the heart of Christ, of a bride who would love him, you know, who would be devoted to him on a heart level. Like the kind of stuff, you look around singing songs tonight, and the, the devotion, that's 
That's what took him. That's what got him through all of the shame of nakedness and, you know, the, the bitter pain of, you know, being forsaken by the Father. All of that, what got him through that was, there's this joy, there's this joy, there's the well done from the Father, there's this exaltation, but then there's this bride who, who loves him. And this is the final thing I want to just, um, finish on. Now the final application point is this. If, if the church gave Jesus that much joy. If if it if it if it if the church stirred him in that way, if if he loves his bride like that, can we let Jesus put that same love for the church into us? It always I always scratch my head when I meet Christians who don't love the church. Because I'm sort of saying they're thinking, I thought you were part of it. <laughs> love yourself. <laughs> I don't moan about church anymore, you're moaning about yourself. Because, you know, it's kind of weird. Or they say, oh, I don't like church, but I want to become more like Jesus. And I'm thinking, you want to become more like Jesus. He really loves the church, but you don't love the church. It doesn't make any sense at all. Jesus loves the church. And if anyone's, if anyone's got the right to have issues with the church, it's Jesus. It's not you and me, right? He's, you know, if anyone's sort of, um, you know, the church hasn't always been amazing, but he hasn't given up on her. But there's, but, so there's this, will we let, Part of our passion for God is passion for his people. He really is. If this is what the Lord wants to put into you supernaturally, a love and a vision for his church. And I just want to end simply with a, a few little provoking verses from the book of Haggai, which I was just reading today. Um, just some, some provoking verses where, where Haggai's a prophet, and basically what's happened is, is that the people of Israel have come out of exile, and they're back in their land, um, and, and there's a promise, you know, and a calling to build, rebuild the temple. Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. There was a call to rebuild it. And, um, and Haggai comes and he prophesies and he says, he says, um, let me find it in chapter one. He says, is it to the people, he says, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while, while God's house lies in ruins? Now therefore, says the Lord, consider your ways. And he taught, he says, you've so much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. And he goes through this list, he says, look, life's not very fruitful, is it? And then he says, he says, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. He says to them, you looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. <laughs> when you brought it home, I blew it away, God says. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. It's a challenging verse. It's a challenging bit of scripture. What I want to do, I want to end by exhorting you to not get distracted with building temporary things. We've got to attend to temporary things. Of course we do. We can't just... You know, sit on top of poles and meditate forever. You know, you've got to attend to stuff. But there's something that will go through to glory. Right? People's lives. One to Christ and, and loved, cared for and nurtured into maturity in Christ. That when the judgment day comes and it's tested with fire, it won't be burnt up like wood, hay and straw. It will be shown for the precious stones that it is. And God will say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Investing in people for the cause of Christ 
is the wisest thing you can ever do. And, and you'll have your own gifts in the ways you do it, but I want to exhort and urge you to build, build this thing. <laughs> Jesus, you say, well, is it going to work? Yes, it's going to work. How do I know? Jesus says, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he said, I'm going to throw my energy into what you're doing. I'm going to give myself to that. I'm going to go for it. And I want to ask you, if you're young in the room, go for it. If you're older in the room, let's keep going for it. Let's, 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 let's raise some eyebrows by our passion. You know, let's not, let's, let's allow the presence of God to overflow. Allow, allow the kingdom of God to grip your soul. Allow the things that will go through to eternity to occupy yourself. Jesus says, if you do that, you're investing wisely. Everything else will rust, will spoil, will fade. It's a wise investment to invest in eternal things. Store up, it's a fascinating scripture, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Oh, sounds big. I don't have to do that. Yeah, Jesus said, we're allowed. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. How? Invest in eternity. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in your relationship with God. Invest in people. Whatever God has put in you, tell someone about it. Pour it, pour it in. You know, if you've been a Christian one day, you've got something to say to someone who's been a Christian half a day. Yeah, let's just encourage you guys to do it, to run. He's building something beautiful here. He's committed to it. And uh, there's such a good heart here. I'm excited about uh, what God's going to do with you guys. And it's really exciting that, you know, that I feel in some way God has stirred me in some way to be involved planting also in this city and it would be great to, to build relationship with you guys over, over the coming years I really hope that we can do that because we're all about the same thing in the day there's only one church right yeah. it's his uh, it's not ours it's his and we're serving that vision Amen Amen, Amen.